0: Hi, my name is Scott Carlin, and my best friend, Lils Martin, hates musicals. I'm Lils Martin, and my friend and acquaintance, Scott Carlin loves musicals. Wait, what? But I, don't like, I don't like begrudging for it or anything. What? I don't know. I said you were my best friend, and you just called me a friend and acquaintance? Yeah. I was working really, really hard on creating this podcast for you where I show you great movie musicals and bad movie musicals because I love you, but you want to be a dick. We were supposed to record this promo for Hell is a Musical, and what are we doing right now? Sounds like we're recording the promo right now. Hell is a Musical on the Zero Science Network. Be there. Right, so what we're going to do is we're going to get past this covid we will watch shawn of the dead we will record a podcast and we'll wait for this whole thing to blow over that's right Shaun of the dead it's in the basket the writer's bagel basket where the hell did he come from i don't know Tonight, gonna have who the hell put this on so random for fuck's sake okay diane uh, get them somewhere safe david kill the queen The jukebox! Uh, Liz, Ed, grab some weaponry! What about a rifle? It's not real! Cocktoes! What do you mean? The flaming spirits! Tramp, Huey, Brandy, get a racket! Light it! The whole place could go up! What How about pool? Tear me apart, Lisa! Snap out of it!
1: You owe me 15 grand, pal.
0: I love you!
1: That's all I needed to hear. Don't be me. We don't have to be me. Because remember,
0: no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, I'm Scott Curlin. Welcome, to Writer's Bagel Basket. We are bridging between What is Love Month and Baby Don't Hurt Me with Sean of the Dead, thanks to Chaboy christopher brown
1: yes
0: (laughs) so uh you believe that this is a rom-com i believe it's a toxic relationship movie but not for the the normal people you would think
1: all right well why don't why don't you go first
0: well you need to give us the blockbuster rule first
1: oh the blockbuster rule yeah cool um zombie apocalypse occurs uh it takes a couple slackers way too long to figure that out and uh, they decide to cope by trying to rescue one of their estranged girlfriends and holing up at a bar.
0: Perfect. Like <laughs> you, 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 and David Allen Prescott are like the two people who are amazing at doing this, doing the block. <laughs> um, so I think it's a toxic relationship, not for the uh, Sean and Liz. Sean and Liz. Ask- yeah. And not even for the Sean and Ed. Like at times that goes into toxic, you know, with the enabling. Yeah. I think Daph's is the most toxic relationship. His relationship with Liz is toxic. His relationship with uh, Diane is toxic. I think he is a toxic person.
1: Oh yeah, David, David's a horrible person.
0: Right. But but I'm saying that his relationships with people and how he affects the relationships of other is toxic. Liz wouldn't have broken up with Sean if she didn't have dafts in in her ear saying what a fuck up he is. Mm-hmm. I think that she would have been able to navigate the relationship a little better because spoiler alert for the end of the movie, they kind of end up doing the same thing.
1: <laughs> Kinda. Yeah, I don't know. He's yeah, he's obviously like a really terrible, terrible person, but he is responsible for possibly my favorite line in the movie. When talking to Sean, referring to him as being a person who thinks that a, uh, a location for a romantic getaway and an impenetrable fortress are one and the same.
0: <laughs> I also do like when he says Captain Wow, and it just cuts to him going, hmm, like the look on, on Simon <laughs> Pegg's face. Yeah so,
1: yeah.
0: so, if you're unfamiliar with Shaun the Dead, it is the feature film debut of director si- uh, Edgar Wright and his first collaboration in film with Simon Pegg and uh, Edgar uh, Nick Frost. I almost said Edgar Frost, Edgar Winter, <laughs> <laughs> the Winter Brothers. Um, it's based on an episode of Spaced. Did you ever watch Spaced? Yes. Spaced is like one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Um, and do you know what episode it's based on?
1: Yeah, there's one. Um, it was it was a dream that uh, I forget the names of the characters in space, but it was a dream that the main character had. Tim. Correct, Tim. Yeah,
0: yeah. He stayed up all night uh, playing Resident Evil, and he yeah. he was high on caffeine and energy drinks, and hadn't slept in like seventy two hours. And he starts seeing people as zombies. <laughs> I Okay, so this film has always been one of my favorite. It's probably, next to the thing, it's like my favorite horror movie of all time. Um, it's also just one of my favorite films. I saw this in theaters six times in 2004. Damn, son. Yeah, like, I saw it, I'm like, this is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my life.
1: Then yeah, I just kept I- going back. Yeah, I, I loved it so much. Um, I saw it, if not opening night, right around opening night. And uh, talking about toxic relationships, I was on the last dregs of... uh, You know how everyone goes through, like, the breakup? The one that's, like, the one that, like, really fucking knocks you down and drags you around and fucks up your life for a while?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I was in the process of going through that. That was actually, um, I, I believe you and I were talking about... um. Before on Old Manila Cloud about uh, how I smashed a guitar at one point. Yeah, yeah. This was all the same time frame. So yeah, I saw it with uh with with, with that. I was dating Courtney uh, Love. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I saw it with that lady, and uh, yeah, like for some reason I kind of always like think about that whenever I see this because it was like such an impactful and negative period of my life. But this movie fucking powered through it.
0: Yeah, thank you, Simon Pegg. and also this is the movie that like really put simon Pegg on the map absolutely he turned down being in love actually to be in this
1: and that was the right thing to do
0: it was but the role that he would have played was rowan atkinson's role.
1: I let rowan have it he's not you know he's not doing too much these days he's coming back for your odd johnny dangerously sequels that you know we've all been clamoring for <laughs>
0: <laughs> that that's did you say johnny dangerously you mean johnny english
1: yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, now same. I want
0: to see a team-up movie of <laughs> Michael Keaton as Johnny Dangerously and Rowan Atkinson has to foil him as Johnny English.
1: Johnny's Dangerously in English.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the English Johnny Dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> so with this film, like it's given us so many, it brought us back to form with the zombie genre because before then we were in the weird Danny Boyle, uh, Zack Snyder zombies can run really fast. Mm-hmm. And this film, George Romero. I remember seeing the poster cause I was working at a movie theater. This is how I saw it so many times. I was working at a movie theater, so I got oh, to see yeah. it for free so many times. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like, I mean, I, I probably would have done the same if, uh, if I had that opportunity.
0: Yeah. So I have like, at the time I had like six different friends who weren't, didn't really like each other, but they liked me. So like six different days, I was like, Oh, I'll go see this with you. <laughs> and they're like, have you seen it? I'm like, no. <laughs> Cause the first time I saw it was with my dad. And I remember looking at the poster and my dad goes, Oh, George Romero gave this like where they normally have like two thumbs up, Ebert and Roper, or like feel good movie of the year. The ghost of Gene Um I keep saying that, and I know he's still alive.
1: Um, yeah, that doesn't mean that he can't haunt you spectrally like the uh, like the girls claimed that the denizens of Salem did in 1692. Maybe Gene has that power. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is why Chris is on the podcast, because he's our historian. So in 1692, <laughs> the witches of Salem, Massachusetts. Um,
1: I didn't say they were witches. You said they were witches. Well, I call them the townspeople of Salem because that's what they were, because witches aren't fucking real. However, Gene <laughs> Shalit might have that power.
0: These are real Stevie Nicks, ladies. <laughs> Into Lindsay Buckingham a little too much, if you know what I mean. So, <laughs> so I just remember the first time that I ever saw a movie poster that had a director of a genre that created the genre I'm about to see, like a full inception. Like, give up a glowing recommendation for a film
1: yeah yeah
0: and yeah,
1: it I mean, also, oh, oh go, go ahead
0: <laughs> i was i was gonna say it also brought uh what's his name back uh george romero back to direct one last movie he wasn't too old for this shit
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I like that it was kind of a shot in the arm for a lot of different things i mean The downside is that it did ultimately lead to the zombie oversaturation that I think we're still kind of recovering from. But having said that, uh, I think it was worth it.
0: Why do you think this is a (laughs) rom-com?
1: It's a rom-com because it's all about Sean and Liz's relationship. Zombies are just a background device happening that causes them to have to come together and work together and reconcile their relationship.
0: But if '90s uh, rom-coms serve me correctly, there's no Blues Traveler playing, so it doesn't count.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there is a little bit of the Smiths in there at one point. I don't know yeah. if that counts for anything.
0: Was that the Smiths or just Morrissey? I thought.
1: Uh, that's Panic in the Streets of London, I believe. That's the Smiths. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that's definitely the Smiths.
0: Okay. Yeah, because
1: yeah, Morrissey's solo kind of sucks, and uh, yeah. has had like maybe like three good songs over like a thirty-year career. So. Eddie's also an asshole.
0: Yeah. <laughs> also, the other way that this is a rom com is Coldplay, isn't it? Are they? At the end. Oh, at the very end. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right.
1: That's right. The Zombade. <laughs> Zombade. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know that they wanted, like, Dolores O'Reardon and, and the cranberries there, but they couldn't get them.
1: You have that- to go ahead and make me depressed because Dolores Reorden killed herself.
0: I'm sorry. Of That's her okay. tanks and her guns and her bombs and her guns and her bombs. It's in your head.
1: <laughs> the writer's bagel basket.
0: Take me apart, Lisa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Felt like you were doing the intro again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So, what, one really cool thing about this, uh, I don't know if you if you knew this, but one of the inspirations for this film, and in particular, um, Sean and Ed's delayed reaction to finding out about everything, is that apparently in real life. Uh, Edgar Wright missed uh, an actual epidemic that was happening because he did, <laughs> didn't check the news for like two weeks. There's like a foot and mouth disease epidemic that was happening in 2001, and yeah, he just completely missed it because he didn't check it on the news.
0: Are you serious? That's yeah. <laughs> I I there are no words. Like I don't know what. To say yeah, well, about
1: the-, and the, the best thing is, too, the way he discovered that the epidemic was happening is when he finally turned on the news, it was showing a cow being burned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what that cow did. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, it, it, it did foot and mouth.
0: Yeah. um So, Peter Serafinowitz is in this film. Um, have you seen the like. On Hot Fuzz, on this one, I don't think they did it in um, uh, World's End. But on the DVDs, they had, like, different takes. And one of the takes they did was Peter Serafinowicz as Paul McCartney. And, <laughs> and Simon Pegg as John Lennon. I'm not saying it was you. I know, man. but I'm
1: saying it was Ringo. Right. You know. Hey, I can't live like this. Hey. You know, look at the stage of it. We're not students anymore. Pete. <laughs>
0: Sorry. <coughs> Sorry, Paul. I mean, it's not like he even brings any real money into the house. Oh, come on, he brings a bit. What, dealing drugs? Oh, come on, he sold a bit of weed every now and again. You've sold, Puff. Talk Doing the scene where he's like, I'm not saying that it's you. I never said that you were. Where I'm saying it was Ringo. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and... It's just because Peter Serafinowicz is just so good at doing Paul McCartney that yeah. they would just do it all the time.
1: Yeah, you've seen uh, the Peter Serafinowicz show, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I've I've probably watched that show. I mean, it's only six episodes. so I've probably watched it like ten times maybe at this point. It is just so good.
0: He, he also does an alternate version of A Day in the Life where he it's like 11 minutes long, and it's basically everything he's doing – all Of mm-hmm. Paul McCartney's part in the song just extended, he's like, Went down the street to the pub, met a bird. I used to date, we had a snog, and like, it just keeps going on, it goes on for 11 minutes. And it, like, he's so genius. And like, here, I know that he's only in this movie because he's like friends with the guys, and he mm-hmm. was in between projects. Like, I heard that they had like maybe a two-day window with him or a three-day window so that that's why like that feels
1: exactly right based on how much he is in this film yeah um
0: and i just feel like some of his lines could be like judy bloom books (laughs) like (laughs) tales of a fourth grade fuck a doodle
1: (laughs) yeah he he is a genius and it it really bums me out that a lot of the times when I talk to people about Peter Serafinowicz, they don't know who he is, A, and B, the only, like, frame of reference I can give them is, oh, he was Shaun of the Dead's roommate. And then they might know at that Um, point.
0: I also say, like, now now that he was the Tick, a lot of people can go there. He's
1: slightly higher profile now, but it's still, like, he just, like, the Tick was canceled, like, wasn't getting the ratings. Like, he just... He just has shit luck, because he's been in um, a few other sitcoms and everything as well, like Running Wild. Yeah. Was it Running Wild that he was in?
0: That's the Will Arnett one?
1: Yeah, is that the one? Yeah, Will Arnett, he's Harry a Russell. rich guy. Yeah, yeah, he played his next-door neighbor.
0: The frame of reference I used for him was in John Wick 2, where he's at the sommelier.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, he's so good in that. I also that- love him in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs>
1: I don't remember him in that. I mean, he's, Marvel movies, I watch them, and I instantly forget everything about it.
0: He's John C. O'Reilly's partner for the Space Police for Nova Corps. What okay. a bunch of frickin' a-holes.
1: Have you yeah. ever seen his... Uh, he, he put a video on his YouTube channel of him singing the opening page of Morrissey's autobiography to the tune of Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now. No. <laughs> and it just works perfectly.
0: Uh, he's so good in this, and everyone's great in this. I think the weakest character in the movie is uh Rafe Spall.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh Noel.
0: Yeah, but but like, so I was watching this with Haley, um, and she's like, "Why does that guy look so familiar?" And I'm like, "It's Rafe Spall," and she's like, "I don't know who that is." I'm like, "It's Ben from What If." the bad guy from what if and she goes no it's not he's too young and chubby and then she looks and she's like oh my god it is him
1: yeah 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 because he um yeah yeah he's uh he was the guy who worked with uh sean right the kid yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: He, he's in all of their movies in like short throwaway roles i think his biggest role was in um hot fuzz
1: yeah because he was one of the neighborhood kids right
0: no no he's one of the andies he's one of the detectives
1: Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Do you know why they're called Andy? Because they're both named Andrew.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he actually uh, started slimming down around then, even.
0: Yeah, because in What If, he's really skinny. Um, He's just, like, such a chameleon now. But but with this film... uh, it, it just, like, ticks, and, like, it's a film that that is so good that you can remember everything. So I saw this back in October, and then I rewatched it again for the podcast. And I normally with a movie, because I've seen so many movies, it's like, oh, yeah, I vaguely remember this. I could remember this beat for beat, v- verbatim, yes, like, everything that was going to happen. That's how, he- and that's the, the mark of a good movie. Like this, and The Sting are movies that I, I'm like, okay, this happens next, this happens in this order. Um, I keep talking about Hell as a Musical on this podcast, even though that's my other podcast. But we're doing Newsies, and I totally forgot. Like, there was an entire chunk of the movie that is about 25 minutes long that I completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> And like, then I'm watching this. I'm like, oh yeah, this happens. This happens. This happens. Like, well, yeah, like,
1: like I said earlier too, like Marvel movies. I'll I'll see them. I'll enjoy it just fine. And then I remember nothing about it. And oh, yeah, I like, Michelle
0: Pfeiffer was in that.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I'll have to like look up a plot synopsis on Wikipedia if I'm gonna see a sequel or something. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, like all all the detail that had to go into me watching WandaVision. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did
1: not prepare at all. I just went in completely blind, and fortunately, they've been telling enough throughout it to catch me up.
0: Because I'm like, yeah, I have to watch Infinity War, and I have to watch, you know, Age of Ultron. I got to go back and watch Doctor Strange because that's going to tie into the multiverse somehow. Yeah. Then it made me watch Dark Phoenix, and I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, with with this movie, like, you can tell that all of these people have potential of being really famous. Mm-hmm. Like, this is star-making roles. I don't know if Kate Ashford, who plays Liz, ever did anything else besides this movie.
1: Yeah, she... I don't think I've really seen her in much since then. Oh, that's no good. I just looked up her Wikipedia page, and it's just, like, a list of things she's been in. There's, like, nothing personal about her. There's nothing... Like, it's... Oh, man, that's no good.
0: <laughs> she's is apparently
1: that- in... Well, because it's like, it's the sort of Wikipedia page that reeks of like, no one giving a shit. Because it's just Kate Ashfield is an English actress who appeared on stage TV and film roles, most famously in her role as Liz in the 2004 zombie comedy Shaun of the Dead. She's a co-writer of the 2017 TV series Born to Kill. That is the only content in this short of her filmography.
0: That's so awful.
1: Yeah, it's, it's sad. Because she's like she's great in this.
0: Yeah, I had the biggest crush on her when I saw this movie. Like, her and Lucy Davis. Lucy, Lucy Davis da- is great. I love Lucy Davis in everything. Did you watch Sabrina? Our Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? Uh, no. She plays uh, Aunt Hilda, and she is the only reason to watch that show. Like, she is so good.
1: <laughs> yeah, and she, uh, she even, you know, managed to to do some good stuff in uh, wonder woman 84.
0: Yeah. You mean her like five second cameo?
1: You know, it, it was something in that movie <laughs> <laughs>
0: that I, t- please tell me that you watched it on HBO max. You didn't, you know?
1: Yeah. I, yeah,
0: we did. Okay. I'm like, please tell me that you saw it technically for free. <laughs> oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. No, no, we, uh, we didn't like, pay to see it in any way other than just hbo max fees
0: yeah that and that's how it should be like
1: so i had fun watching it i it's it's not a good movie but it was a fun movie
0: not to get on a tangent here the whole stuff with with chris pine's character just made me so upset
1: that was really problematic and i cannot (laughs) believe that in the year of our lord 2020 that was allowed to happen in a feature film Anyway, Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> Bill Nye's in this, and he is uh, one of my favorite people.
0: Yeah, I, I've been noticing a lot when Bill Nye just shows up and rolls like in this. Um, also, he's in the new version of Emma, kind of in the similar a similar capacity. Here, he's like the wise old man in both wait films.
1: A, wait a second, how the hell was he able to be in Love Actually and Shaun of the Dead?
0: Well, he's not the star in either of those films. Like, you can tell that him in this, he's there for like two days. Yeah, probably. Simon Pegg is the lead character in this yeah, film. Yeah, fair enough. Also, he co-wrote the screenplay and is producer of the film.
1: Well, yeah. For, for a second, I thought you meant Bill Nye, and I was like, oh, weird. And then I
0: realized <laughs> Bill,
1: you meant Simon Pegg.
0: <laughs> Bill he wrote every frame of this movie. It's a Bill Nye production.
1: I would love to see Bill Nye fight Bill Nye. Just battle of the bills with the really similar names.
0: <laughs> and they're both wearing bow ties and uh, and blue uh, overcoats as they do it.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's it's interesting to me because I think they both have strengths and weaknesses. So Bill Nye, uh, the actor,
0: is the obviously
1: <laughs> yes, not the science guy. He's obviously older. But I think he's got a little bit more. Uh, I, I think he's the kind of person that, in his youth, kicked ass and took names, and I think he's still a little scrappy. Whereas Bill Nye, the science guy, he is—he's younger, so I think he might be able to take a few more hits. But at the same time, I think that there is just nothing muscular happening on his body whatsoever.
0: <laughs> what What if it's like the opposite effect, and it's like Ned Flanders, like Bill Nye? The science guy takes his shirt off, and he's, like, jacked. (laughs) So Bill Nye was born in 1949. Let's see. Bill Nye the science guy
1: was born. He's actually probably not too far off from that, because I think he's older than you'd think. Yeah.
0: 1955.
1: Yeah, so only six years difference.
0: Yeah. That's insane. That is. (laughs) What if we find out that Bill Nye plays dirty and he just Pulls out a switchblade and Bill Nye is like, What are you doing?
1: Yeah, I could see Bill Nye the science guy fighting dirty.
0: And then out of nowhere, Bill Nye just takes out a handful of sand and throws it in the ass. <laughs> Two can play that game. For
1: some reason, I could see Bill Nye the science guy as the kind of person who carries around brass knuckles.
0: Why does it have E equals MC square written? For- right?
1: Cause I'm science, bitch, as he punches someone.
0: <laughs> I just picture him punching someone, like when when in the high fidelity, uh, Tim Robbins gets punched, and all of these teeth come flying.
1: <laughs> so I've been uh, I've been addicted to Fallout Four recently, which is great because it's a six year old game, and uh, I'm finally getting into it. Good for but you. that just that just makes me think of some of the uh, slow mo like gore shots that it has when you when you kill someone. <laughs> like if you like aim for their head in particular and you take them out like it'll show a slow motion of like the gunshot blast taking their head off of the body
0: <laughs> like like the video game in this movie what video game are they playing in this I
1: don't know I don't think it's a real one actually because I don't think that there's ever been a video game that said aloud player 2 has entered the game
0: <laughs> <laughs> finish him <laughs> <laughs> um this movie is so quotable like there are times out of the day where i'll just quote it and not realize that i'm doing it like the one that i quote the most is i love your mom too she's like butter
1: <laughs> i always say uh you've got red on you that's <laughs> just the the one that fits in the most in everyday life
0: yeah uh also get fucked four eyes <laughs> <laughs> so like with with, with dafts because I'm not calling him David, because one of my best friends is named David, and that's going to get very confusing for me really fast. Um,
1: okay, so with David.
0: With Daphs. <laughs> like, he shouldn't be affecting me as much as he does, but I've just known so many guys like this character that it just drives me crazy.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry for that. That's that's pretty awful. Yeah, it I don't mainly think I, in,
0: it was mainly in high school and college.
1: Yeah, I don't think I know too many people, uh, or have ever known too many people of that ilk, and uh, and I am fortunate for it.
0: Yeah, and like, just, just he reminds me also of every character in, in Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, like the hand to the king who's really like a bad guy who's like whispering, like, like bad information. <laughs> It seems like your nine lives are up, Casanova. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's sad for me because I love Dylan Moran so much, and he is great,
0: especially on and, Black Books.
1: Yeah, and that's that's what I was gonna say. It's like it's like now, okay, if I want to enjoy Dylan Moran, I have like three options: I can watch his stand up, which is usually very good; mm-hmm. I can watch Shaun of the Dead; or I can watch fucking transphobic Grand Linehan's show. It's, yeah, it's. It it's not fair. <laughs> it is not fair. Like, how can you take a good Dylan Moran role away from me? You fucking fuck.
0: He's he's pretty good in run fat boy run.
1: <laughs> I, I don't even remember him in that because I watched it so long ago. And that's another movie where basically everything about it just was in and out. Yeah. I mean, oh, uh, oh, go ahead. You no,
0: know, it's just like I, it's so weird to me, like, all of the people that Simon Pegg befriended on his way up to the top, like, he befriended David Schwimmer and ended up in, like, David Schwimmer's directorial debut, and then he en- ended up befriending J.J. Uh, Abrams and ended up both in Star Trek and Mission Impossible 3, then ended up befriending Tom Cruise and is in, like, everything, you know, Tom Cruise wants him in.
1: Yeah, it's, it's been a fucking hell of a career for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then Nick Frost somehow continues the same momentum in like the UK. Like he, his, his show career in the UK is like outstanding.
1: Yeah. Truth Seekers uh, is very good. I don't know if you've watched it. Unfortunately,
0: it got canceled. <laughs> cool.
1: Cool. 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 Cool.
0: Now Chris is standing up and he is lighting himself on fire.
1: <laughs> I don't want to live anymore. <laughs>
0: I just pictured Danielle coming down like, what the fuck are you saying?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nah, she usually hears that about three times a week. (laughs) So I gotta, I gotta tell you, this is actually, um, this is the second film that we have discussed on this program that I have watched with my mother. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, uh, I, so Danielle and I, when we were first saving to buy a house, we ended up moving in with my parents for about three or four months Mm Mm-hmm. And when we were there, I, uh, I convinced my mother to watch this with us and, uh, she liked it, but was just,
0: Oh, it's just so violent. <laughs> my mom is the same way too, with violent stuff too. Like, like even if someone's just getting punched in the face, she'll go. <gasps>
1: <laughs> yeah. All she has to see is Bill the science guy punch someone in the face with brass knuckles and she's reacting to it.
0: I don't know why I'm letting you watch PBS. (laughs) What if that was the the final episode of Bill Nye the Science Guy?
1: (laughs) All right, kids, today we're going to learn the science of kicking this stagehand's ass. (laughs) He just Uh, grabs, like, a a PA and just, like, starts punching him.
0: (laughs) I'm just doing this for college credit.
1: (laughs) I hope we're not paying you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Today we're going to learn about momentum and force. (laughs) <laughs> the the first one uh, that you saw with your mom was uh, um,
1: Nothing But Trouble,
0: which also came out in that episode that we did was literally a year ago.
1: Oh, well then. <laughs> that's and that's the passage of time for you.
0: Yep. If you could save time in the bottle.
1: <laughs> I mean, why bother at this point? But time you- is fucking meaningless.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. The, the one thing that I always like <laughs> kick Sean for in this movie is the fact that he has a great idea of what to do after the fish place is out of like reservations. He's like, well, he says to Liz after mentioning the Winchester and she like loses her shit and breaks up with him. He then has a good idea. And he's like, why don't we just go to the Shepherds? That restaurant does Thai food now. I'm like, why wasn't that your plan all along? <laughs>
1: Well, because he's kind of like a bumbling goof. That's that's his uh, his shtick.
0: Yeah, I know, but still, like, I I didn't I don't like seeing him get dumped by Liz. Hmm. And do you agree with me that like, if she did not have Daph's like, you know, voice in her head, she probably would have stuck it out a little longer.
1: I don't know because they don't go into how diane feels about the situation but i don't think that diane would be sitting there letting him like put all these thoughts into her head if she didn't kind of agree with it
0: this is true but also that's the toxicness with her relationship with Daphs. she's in this relationship that she knows that she's only in it with him is because liz doesn't want to date him so she's basically picking up the pieces that's not a healthy relationship
1: no I I don't think that they ever claim that it is <laughs> <laughs> right in fact I, I think that they actually explicitly uh, make it known that it is not
0: <laughs> right but at the same time it's like Liz why are you listening to these two people one person um is in love with you and th- that I have a huge problem with is like the fact that like she hangs out with this guy all the time lives with him and he's in love with her
1: yeah she doesn't she's not aware that he loves her though yeah
0: <laughs> I think she is.
1: I know well, does... she flat out says at one point she denies it.
0: Does she? Uh, but but like No, I don't think she ever comments on it because because um Sean says you're in love with Liz and Oh
1: right, no she does not. You're correct. He
0: yeah. he says that's not true. And then Diane says yes it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're correct. Uh yeah, I don't know. I just I Think that it's meant to have her just kind of not be aware of it. Yeah. And do they actually live together?
0: Yes. She lives with Diane and Diane and he's always there.
1: Yeah, so they don't really like live together. He's just kind of like a hanger on at the uh at the residence.
0: Yeah. But still, like It's it's
1: not like she's just like, Hey, this dude that's into me, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign a lease with him. <laughs> And uh, that's gonna he be. He keeps cool.
0: going through my shoes and trying them on.
1: <laughs> keep smelling I'm pretty sure he's been watching me sleep.
0: I wake up in the morning and my hair is perfectly brushed. <laughs> it's weird because it's like 75 on one side and only 70 on the other.
1: <laughs> Sometimes I wake up and my nails have been clipped, <laughs> and the weird thing is I don't know where the clippings are. <laughs> Uh, you go into his his room and there's just a drawer with like little jars <laughs> labeled like Monday, <laughs> the date. Jesus Christ,
0: <laughs> you. But talking about another toxic relationship, like Ed's relationship with Sean, is healthy and unhealthy at the same time. Like it's his best friend, but constantly enabling his bad behavior is not great because ed says stuff that is like incredibly inappropriate yes and 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 sean is like oh but he's just fun
1: yeah i mean they they're clearly good friends and there's like there's a mutual respect there that they they care about each other genuinely but at the same time yeah ed is a ed is a weight on sean
0: I think they recycled the storyline from Spaced over to this, where, like, do you remember in Space that it was, um, uh, I remember when we were little, and it was a kid who looked exactly like Simon Pegg with, like, bleached blonde hair, and a kid who looked exactly like Nick Frost with uh, a taped-on mustache, <laughs> and, and they're in, like, a tree, and they fall. <laughs> like, I think it's that type of story where he he let, you know, he let Ed fall out of a tree or something like that. And he feels responsible. So
1: it's sort of like a separate piece sort of situation.
0: More of a, a mice and men. <laughs> this is going to end with him by a Riverside with Ed. Telling him about the farm.
1: <laughs> Don't worry, Ed. You'll get to tend the rabbits.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got to send you this video. Um, Channel One Hundred One back in the early two thousands did superhero masterpiece theater, and they did they did of mice and men with Superman and Bizarro, <laughs> and Bizarro sounds exactly like Malkovich from the ninety two version of, yeah, of yeah. mice and men, and <laughs> it just ends with him taking eye laser beams and shooting it through Bizarro's head. <laughs>
1: did you ever watch um on channel 101 there's a video called uh one from the heart no it was some of the most surreal bizarre comedy i've ever seen and i love it so much and i, I hate that it's like only available in a super super low res format because obviously 2003 2004 whenever it went up
0: yeah but like i i see that that relationship with ed and you know not uh, Sean ending that way. Well, now it has to now that Ed is like a zombie.
1: <laughs> yeah, well I mean he's chained up and he generally uh listens to instructions from what we see.
0: Right. I just love so, when the foreshadowing in this movie is incredible um because even Pete says like great, why don't you just chain them up in in the backyard and you can play with him there. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens at the end of the movie. Yep. <laughs> I also yeah. do. I love Simon Pegg's facial expressions in this movie, especially when someone like in the beginning when Ed kills that zombie with the the ashtray, like the look on his face when he just like grabs his face and goes, "Ah!"
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this movie actually, I think. Stop me if I'm wrong here, but I think it's the first time a comedy ever utilized the Requiem for a Dream sort of uh, quick cut.
0: Yeah, I think so which is weird cuz he he doesn't he doesn't base it af, off of that Edgar Wright said. He says he's based most of his editing style off of Tarantino from Pulp Fiction. Hmm.
1: Interesting.
0: Cuz there's like literally in in season 2 of Spaced when um Jessica Hines or Jessica Stevenson at the time returns home and Ed was living our Nick Frost was living with um, Simon Pegg's character and they do a shot-by-shot remake of the scene from Pulp Fiction where Bruce Willis discovers Travolta and blows him away on the toilet. (laughs) So, like, he's very inspired by Tarantino. Makes
1: sense. Yeah. I can see it.
0: But (laughs) the 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 stupidity of, like, the characters in this movie is at times unforgivable for certain characters. Like, the mother, like, I, I don't know who during a zombie apocalypse would be like, I think my friend lives in this backyard and just <laughs> stops and sees a zombie and doesn't run away. Like, the mother is in such denial
1: well, she's she's just incredibly naive, and they kind of point that out in the scene where um, Diane is trying to train them all how to act like zombies, and she thinks that the mother is actually making an effort when she's just <laughs> idle. <laughs> yeah,
0: that that's that's also leads to one of my other favorite lines, talking about Diane as an actress. Um, when you go when they're having a fight, when Liz and um, uh, Sean are having a fight, and. He goes, well, I'll come out with you guys. And he goes, she goes, oh, that's what you want to do. Hang out with a failed actress in a twat. And he goes, I never called Diana a failed actress. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so good. I just
0: love Like, I remember seeing this for the first time and just being so captivated by Simon Pegg. And, you know, when I was younger, starting in, like, my at the age of 10 and going forward, when I found an actor that I really liked, I would like research them and hope that
1: they were getting roles (laughs)
0: because I wanted to see them again in like other
1: movies. I hope there's food on the table. (laughs) I hope they're not starving.
0: I hope you can provide for your family. (laughs) I don't know if this guy's going to be huge. Leonardo DiCaprio from what's eating Gilbert grape.
1: (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to say Leonardo DiCaprio from Growing Pants. <laughs>
0: yeah, that too. Actually, that was the first time I really saw Leo, and I was like, this this kid has something.
1: <laughs>
0: I hope he does well.
1: I think one day, when he's a grown-up, he's going to date women that are his age now.
0: <laughs> and that's going to be a problem. <laughs> uh Man, I hope that he hangs out with Toby Maguire and Lucas Haas and Jenny Lewis.
1: <laughs> that would be great if they were all friends, and get Omri Katz in there as well. My, they uh, were. I should, I should say, my friend, my Facebook friend, Omri Katz.
0: I find it so weird that that like actors like Simon Pegg and DiCaprio, once upon a time were like just normal people, and now they're like. <laughs> Some of the biggest stars in the world. Like, this film really launched Simon Pegg.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I had never seen or heard of him until I saw this movie.
0: Like, I saw a bootleg DVD of Spaced once before I saw this film.
1: Yeah, I I had not heard of Space until I saw this movie and then started reading about the, the team behind it.
0: Yeah, and like, Edgar Wright's directing style, like, everything about this movie just... It, like, hits all the marks. Um, I will say that the scene that always gets me and, like, makes me cringe is when it gets stabbed in the head with a dart.
1: (laughs) And when he pulls it out and there's the little spurt of blood.
0: Oh, yeah, that that gets me every time. (laughs) Because, like...
1: But dogs
0: can look up! (laughs) Whack. (laughs) I know for a fact that dogs can look up.
1: Yes, they can. Yes. Stella did it this morning. My dog spends the majority of her life looking up at me um, in hopes of getting treats.
0: Yeah. Uh, The the other day I was sitting next to Stella and she wasn't sure if I was still next to her. So she just lifted her head up. She's like, are you still there? Okay, good.
1: Yeah. Oh, so does she do the weird thing where she like turns her head upside down and looks at you that way? Yeah. Cause yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's one of us always favorite activities.
0: And then, then does the Spider-Man kiss where she's like, give me a kiss. <laughs> and then Vindicated starts playing by Dashboard Confessional. Vindicated. I am selfish. I am wrong. I am right. I swear I'm right. I swear I knew it all along. And I am. But, like, so in this film, I have to say that... <laughs> There's so many cliches that I normally hate in other, you know, horror comedies or zombie movies that, like, didn't bug me here. Like, when he sees the kid playing soccer and he goes, you're dead, and then, like, the next time he sees him, he's a zombie. Or the entire um, call back to Peter Serafinowicz, like, he's in the bathroom and he presses the mirror and Serafinowicz is there to yell at him does it again, and Finnowitz is a zombie. Normally, like cliches like that piss me off. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it doesn't do that here.
1: <laughs> I think that the rest of this movie is novel enough where if, if there is a trope that kind of falls in there, that it would, you know, I, I think it's a little bit more forgivable.
0: Yeah. Also, the scene that always got me, besides the dart, is when Daphs gets... Sucked up by the zombies into the zombie vacuum and gets ripped apart.
1: Like <laughs> that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, th- th- that's another example of like how their relationship is so toxic that he dies and gets murdered, and Diane is just so willing to go with him.
1: Yes. Yeah, and I, I his death is very good to me because he also goes out in a way that completely fucks over everyone else.
0: Yeah, because he forces Sean to kill his mom who turned into a zombie and then like he pulls the gun and well, and back then,
1: yeah and then he attempts to kill Sean
0: right he, he, he attempts to commit a homicide and then he's like I'm leaving it's like you know what what they should have done is they should have held you down and they should have made you drink gasoline Like,
1: <laughs> yeah they should have fucking pistol off you <laughs> did uh? Did you see last year when uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost reprised their roles for a PSA yeah Yeah, that was so good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We're not going to go out. We're... (laughs) Uh,
1: And avoid the pub.
0: (laughs) Definitely avoid the pub. Also, I do love how understanding Liz is of Sean. And, like, uh, they do a callback to the whole um, restaurant thing. Like, so there's a problem with the restaurant. I thought you booked the reservation yeah oh you didn't they they do a callback to that with at the end where he goes to the circuit breakers sees the zombies in the window and she goes what's wrong and he goes they followed me i thought you gave them the slip yeah (laughs) (laughs) and like the first time she's so upset second time she's so understanding which shows the growth yeah and also at the end of the movie i find it very funny that they choose his his apartment to live in instead of hers where hers clearly doesn't have any damage from the zombie apocalypse
1: well you don't know that for sure and it seems like he's got more space at his place
0: yeah i mean he has an entire house but yeah well, when well, you never weird... know,
1: maybe maybe Diane was actually turned and survived and she went back to the apartment
0: <laughs> and she's just sitting there like uh, have you ever... <laughs> I was thinking of. Have you ever seen unedited footage of a bear from I uh... have? Yes. <laughs> she just turns into that woman from. from...
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's that's. What I like to refer to as horrifying comedy, and I love it.
0: Oh, we talked about it on this podcast. We did an entire episode about it.
1: Oh, very good. Yeah,
0: it, we talked about that, and we talked about too many cooks in all all in one episode.
1: Yeah, I think that that's uh, the right amount of material to cover.
0: Yeah, but like this is, I think a film like this leads to that type of horrifying comedy. Like, I, I would say without Shaun of the Dead, we would have never gotten like the quality of stuff we got on adult swim
1: i think that definitely helped it uh adult swim had some pretty quality stuff going into it um i do agree though i i don't know that the budget would have been there for their live action stuff because prior to this it anything that they experimented with was usually not very good
0: yeah like uh what was it Saul of the mole people
1: (laughs) yeah just like kind of like poorly ill-conceived things Was lucy daughter of the devil live action too
0: Uh, I I don't remember, remember
1: but yeah, like there was generally just like a bunch of kind of like low effort garbage,
0: but like, thanks to good writing and comedy, like what Edgar Wright was doing. And I also think with the success of Grindhouse and him being able to do the fake trailer led for like these content creators to create videos like this to go on Adult Swim.
1: Yeah, and I mean, just YouTube in general came around the same time, so obviously people had an outlet to to get you know their weird shit out there. So you are, but yeah. am- I, was, I was just going to ask. Speaking of YouTube, did Lils show you the sausage channel she found yet? No, <laughs> it's, it's a channel devoted to just making different kinds of sausages.
0: I'm literally going to text her right now. <laughs> I don't care that we're doing the podcast.
1: Oh, insert, insert an edit point.
0: <laughs> nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm liter- I'm literally going to say what I'm going to write. So CB says there's a sausage channel on YouTube. I want to see if she responds.
1: Hopefully she responds with the link.
0: <laughs> okay. I I think she will, but... <laughs> Yeah, I also should have added, uh, I'm literally recording a podcast right now as I write this. Story. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's talk about the relationship of Phil, uh, or Philip, sorry, Philip, and Sean. Because like anyone who listens to this podcast, you know that I'm a sucker for like a good father-son story. The fact that it does like the same amount of care and love that about time, also with Bill Nye, he does in like five seconds in that scene yeah. in the backseat of the car yeah. so quickly
1: mm-hmm.
0: is kind yeah, of hard. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's insane because they do it fast, but it doesn't feel rushed. And it, it just feels like a natural progression of like, it just feels like a natural conversation where, you know, Sean realizes, like, oh, my stepfather actually loves me.
0: Yeah. It, it's also just, it's crazy like how you know sentimental he gets and he goes he's not my dad well not anymore and yeah. like that that just uh simon Pegg steals it
1: yeah um, well i i absolutely love that moment because it's going through a lot of emotion and then it just it, it makes sure that there's a punchline in there to keep us all on track so multiple times throughout the movie, it's shown that Philip does not like um, loud music being played, and there's currently loud music being played in the car. And right after Sean says, um, "That's not He's not your husband
0: anymore. anymore. He's not
1: your husband anymore." <laughs> Philip reaches forward in the car and turns the radio off.
0: <laughs> Let's go, shall we?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I also I do love when uh, Sean goes. Uh, I'll go and look up and see if there are any zombies. He just climbs up this child's ladder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and I love that he climbs each individual rung like very politely, instead of like making an effort to do so like stealthily. Or <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> are there any out there? Lots. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I also. I do love in like the entire Cornetto trilogy that they do like make callbacks to previous films, especially the whole "Have you never taken a shortcut before?" They do that. They do that in this one where he he basically goes to jump over the thing. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, and then in uh, in Hot Fuzz he actually successfully does it. Yeah,
0: and and then in the in World's End he like basically destroys the (laughs) the fence.
1: now uh, if, if you had to pick Someone's got a gun to your head What's your favorite uh, of the Cordedos?
0: Uh Alright so This is a tough choice The one I watched the most Is probably World's End My favorite is probably Hot Fuzz
1: So I would say my favorite is Hot Fuzz I think the technically best Film of the series is World's End Yeah uh, but Shaun of the Dead is the most fun, if yes, that makes sense. Yes, I
0: agree with that 100%. I also have a theory, and so you're doing this first one, and then the next two are going to be done by Maggie and Ashley from Rock Candy. That was the deal I made with them live on air literally a year ago. Um, <laughs> but I have a theory, and I'll be probably mentioning this every time I cover a Cornetto movie. I feel that like throughout all three films the characters that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost play they they level out like throughout the movies they each play a similar role to a version that the other person played and what I mean by that is like in this one Simon Pegg is kind of like you know reasonable level headed does have a bright future kind of a slacker yeah you know and you know Ed is a total fuck up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Whereas in Hot Fuzz, Sean, um, Simon Pegg is completely competent. Whereas I would say that uh, Nick Frost is more of the Sean kind of character.
0: And then, then in uh, World's End, Nick Frost is like Simon Pegg in Hot Fuzz, and Simon Pegg is just a complete fuck up. Yes. <laughs> and like the fact that they they did that, like. It seems like fair writing. Like, okay, you got to play the level-headed one. Now I get to play, you know, the level-headed one.
1: Yeah, well, they're uh, they're genuinely best friends in real life. So yeah. it, it completely makes sense.
0: Have you heard them talk about how they, like, basically had a falling out for about six months on Hot Fuzz?
1: No. Like, while making it? Yeah. And no, were, like... I, I had not heard that.
0: And then basically they're like okay this is stupid we're grown-ass men
1: well it's good that they were able to settle the differences yeah have you ever seen um the I, i don't know if he calls himself a magician or what his deal is uh this guy darren brown no he's english there's a great video of him with simon Pegg that you should check out uh after this wherein uh he asks simon Pegg he's in a room that he has had decorated himself in specific ways. And he asks Simon Pegg to write down on a note, what he wants for his birthday. And so he does takes it and seals it and gives it to him. And (laughs) basically throughout the whole thing, the, the guy is talking to Simon Pegg about different things about how, like what his technique is to influence people's thinking and all of that. And at the end he's like, so, so Simon, uh, what did you want for your birthday? What did you write down? And He's like a bike, and he's uh, so the guy Darren Brown opens the note and it says a leather coat. <laughs> and basically, what he had done was he had like um, different things like spinning in a room, like record players spinning, uh, all sorts of different things like that happening in the room. And the way that he would phrase things is he would say like, bike convincing by convincing ourselves. So like he would put the word bike in there like everything was so carefully done throughout the entire thing that he managed to completely convince him that he had written down bike it's <laughs> so sounds, good it's
0: it's, it's, it's worth
1: watching yeah
0: lils did respond and she goes ordinary sausage question mark
1: <laughs> that's the one <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's real gross because I went to like the uh I went to the channel and was looking at the description and was talking about like making like crab sausage and all sorts of like just nasty shit.
0: Oh man, that's disgusting. <laughs> one um, time
1: one time Danielle and I went to this uh, we went to this like Italian uh store in the north end and got like these like really fancy looking sausages. They were like spicy and they looked really good, so we got them. And we cooked them up and we're eating them. And it was one of those situations where, have you ever started eating something, then realized an ingredient in it, and then started to absolutely hate something you were enjoying a second before?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anytime I find out something has had olives in it.
1: Yeah. Even if it's like. Then it's inedible to you, even if you were enjoying it a minute before. Yeah, Yeah. I I realized that there were shrimp in the sausage for some reason. Uh, I I shrimp. "I, I do, too a time and a place a time and a place a spicy italian sausage is not the place so yeah i, I couldn't finish it even though i was like really enjoying it a minute before
0: yeah anyway uh, that's, that's my
1: shrimp sausage story
0: <laughs> okay so um when they're trapped in the pub like the, the the fact that there is now an exposed window there is no way that i would stay in there it's too dangerous
1: I mean, where else are they going to go, though? The entire block is surrounded.
0: This is true. This is true. Um, But, like, the the thing, the nitpicky side of me always goes, there are some tables that were huge that could have just fit in that window. They were lazy.
1: Yeah, they could have fortified it for sure, but I, I also don't think that there was really enough time because once the window was broken and a commotion started, then, you know, attention had been attracted at that point, especially because this was... Was it before? Don't stop me now. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Let's talk about the music in this movie because the music in this, in like any Edgar Wright movie, sets such a tone. Like, yes. like with this, this is supposed to be that you know uh, techno. Like, I don't know how to to capture the vibe of this. But the best example I can give for the other films is Hot Fuzz. There's a lot of village Green Preservation Society and Dire Straits. So it has like that whole like cottage yep. lifestyle. And all I have to say is 90s British alternative, you know, music for, for World's End, and that sets the tone. This is so weird because it's like at times there's like techno and and you know. <laughs> Other times there's like Queen, like, yeah, it's all over the place, but it works.
1: Yeah, well, I think it goes to show that the the actual filmmakers have a pretty diverse taste in music. And it's it's kind of like the Tarantino sort of thing where Tarantino, I think, doesn't necessarily have a ton of original ideas in everything that he does. What he excels at is sort of like being a human sampler, where like he takes bits and pieces of different kinds of media and combines it in super, super interesting ways. And I think, or that like Cameron, Cr-
0: of- like Cameron Crow, where he basically will take like thirty seconds of a song and then another thirty seconds of a different song.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that they are they are so good at just finding the perfect song for every moment, like in world's end, when they play Alabama song by the doors, it's like, I feel like this song was created for this moment in film. Like that's how tightly they, they kind of integrate it all together.
0: Yeah. Great example in here is don't stop me now. Like this was, I've I've always heard the song. Don't stop me now leading up to when I saw the film, but like I never saw it fitting into a film. And then, like, now you'll watch, like, Verizon commercials, and it's everywhere, but...
1: Yeah. Yeah, but, well, this this movie was basically what brought that song back into popularity. Yeah. And it, it, it's sort of, like, that's a weird thing that Queen does a lot, is they'll have a song that becomes hugely popular, then it goes away for a while, then it just comes back again.
0: I also, I love when they're like, kill the Queen, the song! Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh there's just something about like Edgar Wright's directing style when he directs a scene. Like it's so, you know, frantic and like there's fast cuts and everything's moving back and forth really, really fast, but you still can pick up and understand everything that's going on. Yeah. Um, The same thing happens with the Molotov cocktail scene at the end, or as, as Ed said, the flaming spirits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, 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 everything's so fast. Like, you totally forget that the bullets are on the, the counter, and then they go off and they start, like, killing people left and right. Mm-hmm. Also, I will say that the fact that I, I, hold, I hold DAFs responsible for foreshadowing that Ed is going to die
1: you hold him responsible
0: oh yeah from the beginning of the movie like
1: i mean that foreshadowing is a is a film technique it's not a fault of a character
0: well no i i meant his dialogue <laughs> wait a minute are you are you explaining film to me i didn't think i needed to <laughs> great now i'm going to explain music to you behind <laughs> you is a guitar you see you have frets <laughs>
1: Okay, I'm learning I'm learning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no no I, I meant like uh when he says at the beginning when when says at the beginning says, uh, you don't always want him here forever, do you? like it's just so like the first time I saw it I was like, they're not gonna kill Ed. they're not gonna well, do it.
1: The thing is they they didn't kill Ed though.
0: Well zombify him is what
1: I he was he, like, was he was zombified and therefore he was going to be there forever.
0: Right. I know. I just didn't want Ed to turn into a zombie.
1: I... Going into the movie, I kind of suspected that Ed would become one just because I, I felt like one of them had to in order for there to be, like, enough sort of depth for the movie. Of course, I didn't know into it, going into it that, like, the Bill Nye subplot was going to be happening or anything like that.
0: Right. Also... Uh, I I think it was my dad. My dad explained to me, like I figured it out right away. But like in the car ride home, when I saw this with him, over 17 years ago, this movie is almost 20 years old. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. So on the car ride home, my my dad goes, so I think I know why Ed got to live as a zombie and the mother didn't, because the mother was being foolish and just let the zombie get her. Where Ed, on the other hand, was you know responsible, and it wasn't of his own cognizance, and I was like, "You just use cognizance? Are you trying to do SAT prep course with me right now?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I think there's something to that. Um, yeah, and plus, Nick, um, Ed had the noble death too, I, possibly right. the most noble of of anyone else in the film. So I, I think he deserves to be zombified, but. I also don't think that uh, if this were to happen in real life, that he would have ever become zombified. I think he would have had a more similar uh, end to to our our friend David, where he was just like ripped apart.
0: Yeah, that
1: death scene is one of the finest death scenes put to film.
0: It really is. It, it's so. I used to skip past it because I'm like, oh, I don't want to see them eating guts. But like now, as you know, someone in my thirties, I'm like. That's really well done, well handled. Um, I will say, I totally thought as I was watching the movie, Liz and Sean. What if they just amicably break amic? I can't talk today. What amicably. They, what if they amicably break up, and all of a sudden he just starts dating Diane, and and Liz ends up with Yvonne.
1: <laughs> it's. I mean, it's a way it could have gone.
0: I I love how that they don't even like try to hide the fact that. That a they're doing a spaced reunion between Jessica Stevenson and, and yeah. Simon Pegg, but they're basically the same characters. Sean, Yvonne,
1: yeah, yeah. I the the scene of the two groups meeting and them having all having like a, a, an equal <laughs> in the other group is so so good. I think my favorite of the mothers how they both kind of like touch arms when they see each other to greet each other. <laughs> Just it, it makes me chuckle every time.
0: I also love that like it's really famous people playing the counterparts and like a throwaway role like, yeah, Martin, like Martin Freeman, Freeman yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh my god, what's her name from episodes? Uh, Tossman. Um, do you know who I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, Tossman Greg. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> she, she's another Black Books alum who is. Oh, Jesus Christ, I fucking hate Winahan.
0: <sighs> Can't watch the IT crowd anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what the, f- the the way I see it, if you torrent it, you can watch it.
0: <sighs> uh, no, nah, I can't do it. Can't do it. Just too upsetting. But like him and Greg and, and Martin Freeman and like <laughs> having these very famous people just randomly show up and walk away. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's actually there's a number of pretty big cameos in this because uh, Rob Bryden plays one of the zombies at one point.
0: Oh, really? The man in the yeah.
1: box? <laughs> uh, was it? Is that who it was?
0: Well, well, you know, Rob Brydon does the voice of the man in the box. He does one of, oh, his bits. One of the bits that he does is he does like in the back of his throat. He can make it sound like someone is trapped. A man is trapped in the box.
1: Oh, interesting. That's that's super weird. Uh, yeah, I did not you know should, that about I'll
0: him. I'll send you the video after this.
1: I, I mostly know Bryden from um, his appearances on QI and uh, the the Trip series.
0: Yeah, I know him from the Trip series, and I also know him from uh, End of the Year Quiz.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's often on that, too. Yeah. I love, too, that the real-life relationship between him and Steve Coogan is like not that dissimilar to what you see in those movies. Like They don't really like each other all that much. <laughs>
0: But they don't hate each other.
1: <laughs> they they don't hate each other, but they they're not fans of one another, and they don't like socialize or anything.
0: I find that so weird.
1: Yeah, because they work together so well. It's I I can't imagine like having that kind of working relationship with someone that you just like don't care for. It's like Jamie and uh, Adam from MythBusters. Like yeah, you have such a good rapport and you do such good work together. Yet you just you don't want to ever like grab lunch
0: <laughs> right like that that's also seems like the very british sensibility like we don't get along, but we will work together <laughs>
1: <laughs> Co- yeah
0: <laughs> so i i just find it like hysterical that so many people are willing to be in a simon Pegg, edgar wright movie in like such throwaway scenes um they do it again in hot fuzz they do it in in world's end, like the amount of people who just randomly show up for a day is extraordinary.
1: Yeah. Like even, uh, even Bill Nye in the, in the the following two films, like he has a day of shooting at best. And in, uh, in world's end, he doesn't, he's just his screen. voice work. Yeah. <laughs> Although his voice work is stellar in that. Yeah. That's it. You're I... just going to go away. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love him in this when, um, I I just love the way Bill Nye talks and he's like, try to bring some flowers. Like <laughs> it's like he's not doing Alan Rickman, but he's doing Alan Rickman.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think they ca- sound kind of similar um, at times in their own ways.
0: Yeah, I I also love with um, uh, it's the scene where. Bill Nye goes, come on, Sean, and you think he's turning into a zombie, and he's holding the knife, and it just cuts to him walking out with them. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, okay, I give up. (laughs) Also, the fact that like Bill Nye is doing like the parent thing of knowing there's a zombie apocalypse, but not willing to admit that they're zombies. Yep. It's like, oh, it's just a bunch of tweaked out loners. <laughs> and then he gets attacked and he's like, go on without me.
1: Do they they do actually say the word zombie in this, correct?
0: Yeah, because he goes, Are the zombies out there? And he's like, Don't say that. Don't say what? The Z word. The Z word. <laughs> the Z word. Well, are there? Nope there they are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the only time though, right? Yeah. Cause yeah. They, um because they they do the Z word line a couple of different times. But yeah, yeah.
0: I also I also love when uh, Simon Pegg is so like nonchalant with Peter Serafinowitz. He's like Pete,
1: Pete. <laughs> they have like the cricket bat. <laughs> <laughs> Oi prick! Yeah, <laughs> no, <he's not> <laughs> this is making me want to watch the Peter Serafinowitz show.
0: Yeah, also... Hi, I'm Derek
1: Bum, and this is The Toilet Gun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, okay, so he, he was on the podcast. I forgot which one it was. It was one of those random, you know, celebrity interview podcasts. And he starts doing Phil Hartman, and he does the greatest Phil Hartman impression I've ever heard.
1: He does so many really really good impressions it's it's insane how good he is at that like because you don't see a lot of impressionists these days that are you know famous but it's incredible how how good he is at it his Alan Alda is so fucking good
0: now I want to see like them do a my dinner with Andre with him doing Alan Alda and Bill Hader doing Alan Alda (laughs) (laughs) yeah but like Peter Serafinwitz, I, I I now want to write a screenplay for like a Phil Hartman story and have him play Phil
1: Hartman. They don't look too much alike, but that doesn't matter.
0: That doesn't mean anything anymore.
1: No, it not We had Aaron
0: Taylor Johnson play John Lennon.
1: Like, Oh, God, that was him, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they like I, nothing. I can't stand him. I don't know what it is. And this this is probably a flaw on my part, but I think it's just how he looks.
0: Is it because he married a woman twenty five years older than him?
1: I mean, that's unusual, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock him for for his personal life. But um, he just it's because his
0: wife made Fifty Shades of Gray. I don't like him because of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did she? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, no, I actually, I just, I hate his acting. Honestly, like I did not care for the was it 2014 Godzilla, 2015.
0: Uh, 2014. I don't mind that one. I like that one, actually.
1: I So, I strongly disliked it, and the reason for that is because it wasn't they enough killed, Godzilla.
0: They killed Brian Cranston 20 minutes in. Well,
1: I, I didn't care about that. I, I, I still have not seen Breaking Bad. So, I didn't care. Like, there's not enough Godzilla. I'm there to see Godzilla fuck shit up. That's why you go to a Godzilla movie. Godzilla is not the focus of it. The focus of it is this dude who is giving a completely wooden performance and you're supposed to give a shit about him and his family and they all suck. And that is the focus of this quote unquote Godzilla movie.
0: (laughs) I like Elizabeth Olsen in it.
1: (laughs) I forgot that she was even in it.
0: I like her in anything. So
1: yeah, she's, she's generally pretty good. Yeah. And uh, also I didn't like the fact that the enemy monster was just Cloverfield.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Getting back to this movie The, the, cra- the <laughs> what, crazy What movie are we talking about? <laughs> uh, we're talking about Weekend at Bernie's
1: Ah <laughs> uh, yes, Bernie Lomax
0: <laughs> <laughs> You know now you're going to have to do Weekend at Bernie's, right?
1: Oh, that'd be pretty good We could talk about uh, Jonathan Silverman's uh, rise to fame as From that movie as he was cast in The Single Guy Which was yeah, canceled after a season or two In
0: his quick fall
1: yep, yep,
0: It was on for two seasons Single Guy was on for two seasons um, cause they got in at least two characters from friends on that show.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the brightest stars burn out the quickest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and how can we forget his amazing turn on a uh, psych as the pathological liar? guy?
1: <laughs> oh, right, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. I, I still have to finish psych. I, I think I'm in the last season.
0: Oh, it's such uh, a good show. And
1: I, I left off years ago. So like, uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta check that out.
0: But so, uh, with this movie i will say that i totally forgot what i was about to say um i will say that like his relationship with his mom is kind of unfulfilling like i feel like they they it's the one relationship that isn't really explored
1: i don't think it really needs to be to be but honest like, with you it's, we're supposed
0: it- we're supposed to be so sad when she dies, and it's like, oh yeah, his mom died. That,
1: but that's... yeah, it's it's his mother. That should be enough.
0: Yeah, but like, it's just it's. Are cut. you like some sort of like
1: sociopath who saw Bambi as a child and was like, okay, I'm <laughs> <No>. on board.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um. You watch the
1: beginning of Up, and you're like, cool. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, I love my mom. I love all that I was about to say. I love all mothers. Um, No, I, 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 they, they spend so much time like setting up his relationship with Liz and his relationship with Ed and like, we see him buy flowers and then he throws them in the garbage and then she's like, thank you for my flowers, which she's. she fished out of the trash and it's so depressing like i just wanted more of his relationship with his mom
1: i honestly i think that would have complicated the movie a little bit
0: i know i understand that
1: but like yeah i i think that everything in this movie is is as it should be
0: thanks for calling me a sociopath
1: i mean you you led me to that conclusion <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, remember when you uh, you told me about the first time you saw the Lion King, and when no. Mustafa yeah, you you told me about this, and when Mustafa got killed, you you just said to yourself, "Nice."
0: <laughs> no, every everyone who listens to this podcast knows what a daddy's boy I am. When I saw Lion King, I was uh, like bawling my eyes out.
1: <laughs> no, I, I I'm not talking about your relationship with your parents. I'm just talking about your relationship to. Sentimental death in film. <laughs> cool.
0: <laughs> Serves him right. <laughs>
1: well, you, you couldn't wait to be king. Yeah, I, I know what your favorite scene from Attack of the Clones is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's when uh, sand it gets everywhere.
1: Uh, it's, it's, it's near that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fuck you. That was the first time, last time Guess Christopher Brown. Uh, but getting back to this movie, I, I do, I will say that, like, the ending of the movie has, like, such, like, no hope, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the freaking, uh you know, Royal British Army shows up.
1: With a, a, yeah, nice old... Dois ex Machina to to bring us home.
0: Yeah, because you know there there must have been like an original ending where everyone dies. And
1: God, imagine that.
0: And then that it just up such...
1: <laughs> It would have been such a different ending. Uh you 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 would have liked it though, right? <laughs> Fuck.
0: Now it's going to be so hard to edit this. <laughs> I got to make people think I'm not a fucking sociopath.
1: Well, I'm obviously joking, but... <laughs> Why I? are you winking
0: at the camera? <laughs> no, I don't believe anything I'm saying. Huh?
1: No, Scott, yeah, you're I, not... I, I I'm just air quotes, kidding, air quotes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Eyebrows, eyebrows, eyebrows. <laughs> No, Scott, we know how much you cry all the time. Wink. You're not supposed to say <laughs> wink, Chris. <laughs> but, but I do, I do love the fact that like Yvonne clearly used to date Sean and is still into him and like the way Jessica Stevenson holds on to Simon Pegg and hugs him it's like you're holding him a little too long.
1: Um I- I'll just give a little leeway because there's a zombie apocalypse happening.
0: No, I mean before then, like when oh, she sees him for the first time. When they're like time. in the
1: yard, in the yeah, walking through people's yards.
0: No, no, the first time before that, when she sees him on the street when he's oh, like
1: Oh, right, right, yeah.
0: Yeah. She's like, "Good luck." I'm like, "Congratulations." Like she's not sincere. It seems like she's the sociopath who saw Bambi and was like, "Cool." Um, <laughs>
1: Yeah, let's we'll start we'll start trying to load that off onto fictional characters.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but but yeah, it, it seems like she kind of wants Sean to break up with with Liz and like it seems like there are all these other forces who don't want Liz and Sean together.
1: Yeah, the universe is trying to keep them apart. But, but even a, a zombie apocalypse can can disrupt that union.
0: I just picture them cutting a trailer of this like a rom-com. Meet Sean. He's a idiot man-child who has his head in the clouds. Meet Liz. She has her feet on the ground. It takes a zombie apocalypse to get them together.
1: Do you ever, uh, do you ever check out Blues Traveler's Twitter?
0: No, I was doing Delamitri right there.
1: <laughs> Do yourself a favor. Oh, wait, yeah, Jesus, right. I thought that was Blue Traveler. But uh, at any rate, check out... They're the- all the
0: same, Sister Hazel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you'll a get a favorite. kick out of this. Back back in Hebrew school, a kid thought that it would be an insult to, to basically... Like, shame people for the type of music they listen to, but he would make up the songs that the bands that they like were into. He's like, Don't listen to Scott, he likes Sister Hazel. I'm like, What? <laughs> I'm gonna be like, Fuck you, I'm a third eye blind boy, all the way.
1: <laughs> I like, listen do, do.
0: to the spin doctors, thank you. <laughs> if it doesn't have do, 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 I'm not listening to it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, their Twitter, I think, is run personally by John Popper, and he has some spicy takes. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to, um, with Gorley and Rust recently, and uh, Paul Rust was talking about how Blues, Travel- Blues Traveler was playing a show uh, nearby, and for some reason, John Popper was standing outside their mall movie theater when a movie got out they Paul Russ was seeing like a movie opening night, like midnight show, whatever. And when he got out, John Popper was there like just smoking a cigarette. And he was like waiting for someone. And uh, one of uh, Rust's friends was like a big blues traveler fan. So they went running over to him to say hi. And then they, when they came back over, they were like, yeah, I think I blew that. Uh, I didn't really know what to say or how to thank him for making music that I liked. So I offered him $20.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> that would be like me finally getting to meet Paul Newman like this is an alternate world where he doesn't die in 2000 and, yeah 2009, 2010 <laughs> like I get to meet Paul Newman and I just ask him to sign a box of popcorn <laughs> like out of nowhere I just pull him. like can, can you sign this?
1: I like your daughter's food <laughs> even though it has your face on it
0: <laughs> your daughter was great and I want to hold your hand damn it
1: does he? Does he? Is his uh, face still on all the packaging? Yeah. Hmm. I wonder yeah. how long it's going to take until that's weird, or until he reaches like Redenbacher status.
0: I think he's already there because it's like the same thing. Are you going to take you know uh, Redenbacher's face off, or you know the colonel? <laughs>
1: I mean they should remove the colonel. Of course the they guy should, but... guy was a guy was a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh he was a lawyer before he had success in the restaurant industry, and one of his most notable cases involved him getting into a fist fight <laughs> with his client.
0: <laughs> he said he likes hamburgers. <laughs> We're a chicken family. <laughs> but yeah. So so getting back to this movie that we've clearly just went off the rails on um so how many bagels
1: for me this gets 11 11 uh i i think that the best film in the series will not get a 13 from me and this is a little bit below it so yeah, yeah it, it gets a solid 11 from me
0: yeah i'll go with 11 too um that there are like problems with it <sighs> I really, really do not like the character of Daps. I I don't like him at all. Um, I, I guess that's just good writing to create a character that's so unlikable. It's
1: just like yeah,
0: yeah. But it, it to me, it like just drags the whole movie down because it's like, why would he be with them if he really didn't want to be there? He should be. He should be pissed that Diane wanted to go, and then he should be like a counter story would be him trying to you know, go after them and wreck them and almost get them killed.
1: Yeah, it's a possibility. I don't know. I, I feel like he probably thought he could usurp Sean. I think that was his thinking, is that he would, he would be able to take over.
0: Yeah. Oh, another line that I say all the time is when I, out of nowhere, I'll just be like, does anyone want a peanut? <laughs> <laughs> also, hog lumps, I'm guessing, are just pork rinds.
1: Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like something that would be in a a a what's it called? What Brian Butterfield diet commercial? <laughs> pork bumps, pork cylinders, bubble bumps, large max.
0: Um. Also, in this film, another problem I have was the fact that like no one eats normal food. They talk about going to restaurants. They talk about like the mom's gonna make sandwiches. All they do is drink and eat like you know ice cream and toasties. Like it's
1: very upsetting.
0: Like, how does anyone survive?
1: I mean, there's a lot of people out there who who live that life,
0: right? Also, this this apocalypse, the zombie apocalypse is only a day long
1: (laughs) well yeah i mean i guess they get it under control pretty quick
0: yeah yep so do you have anything you want to promote
1: uh yeah actually uh i've got a record coming out on march 1st uh my band Rampikes pikes putting out our first album and it's going to be available at rampikes.bandcamp.com and at some point down the road it'll be on spotify and all that but that takes a couple of weeks
0: yeah also follow them on uh facebook or like their facebook page i wanted to say (laughs) i didn't because you have a lot of fans on there i I always fuck with you and Pat. I wanted to to write a comment, but I didn't want people to think that I was an asshole. So I'll say it here on my podcast. I want to be like, how many new radicals are you seeing in this photo? (laughs) Because you're all wearing hats.
1: Yeah, interesting. Uh, Well, I had like just shaved my head right before that, and I didn't do a stellar job of it. Uh, There were still like some like weird sort of like uh, uh, strands coming off here and there. So I went with the hat.
0: Yeah, well, you got the music in you. Chris and I have a mini-series podcast that's still on Zero Science Network called Where in the World is Stephen Quincy Urkel, and uh, we are working on something else. We had one idea, and then that went to shit, and now we have a much better idea now. Yes. You'll thank us.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's more manageable.
0: Yes, and much better to watch. Yes so uh you can also listen to my other podcast hell is a musical on the zero science network and we have a twitter and instagram page will we do a facebook yeah maybe um, and uh you can like us on twitter instagram and facebook at writers bagel basket and don't forget to email us any suggestions you have writers at gmail.com chris thanks for doing this again
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Always a delight.
0: (laughs) Until next time, I'm Scott Kerlin. Bye.